The Amherst are still alive. We'll get into the game against the Bears and a Stanley Cup final preview. Coming up, I'm Locked On Sabres. You're Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Sneaky Joe DiBiase on today's show. And we've got a lot to get to, including the Rochester Americans playing into the month of June. It is June 1st, and the Amherst are still alive. A win, Game 5 in Hershey. We'll get into it coming up in a little bit here on the show. Also... On today's show, a full preview of the Stanley Cup final between the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. The former Sabre Bowl, Jack Eichel versus Sam Reinhardt. One thing that I want to get into is what it will feel like if Eichel does hoist the Stanley Cup. Because we are four wins away, Vegas wins away, from that happening. And I don't know how I'm going to feel, and I wonder how fans are going to feel. Uh, if that does get there, because we are getting closer. So all that coming up here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. If you want to follow the podcast account, check us out on the socials at Lockdown Sabres on Twitter. Go to YouTube, type in Lockdown Sabres. You can find the show there. You can find this, uh, the subscribe button, hit like and subscribe. And uh, we've got the comment section for you as well, which we always love to read uh, questions and comments from there. Uh, before we get into, though, Eichel and the Golden Knights and the Panthers. Remember, I got my futures bet on the Florida Panthers, so I'll be rooting hard for Florida just on that front. The Amherst are playing into the month of June. A 4-1 win over the Hershey Bears on Wednesday night, and they are going to be playing game six Saturday night, or excuse me, Friday night, uh, to try and force a game seven game seven against Hershey would take place on Sunday in Hershey four to one win by the Amherst. Now, before we get into the game itself, the lineup notes for this game were not all that surprising. They did dress seven defensemen for the first time, all playoffs, but no Matthew Savoy, no Ryan Johnson. And I think Seth Appert, Amherst head coach is now at a point where he's probably not going to turn back to the young guys that have not been with the team throughout the entire season. I think Savoy, barring injury, probably not going to re-enter the lineup. And Ryan Johnson, my guess would be, he's probably not going to enter the lineup. Uh, they'll practice with the team over the next, uh, you know, could be only a couple of days or it could be weeks, um, not knowing how long Rochester's going to play here. But I don't think we're going to see Savoy again. Uh, just, just a hunch. Um, four to one, Yuri Kulik gets on the scoreboard for the first time in this series. I will say though, he did play better. I think overall the whole game, Isaac Roseanne played better too. Roseanne had a stretch where he came in on a breakaway, hit the post, had another scoring chance immediately after he easily could have had a goal or two in this game. Uh, Kulik could have had a couple of goals in this game. The one goal he did score, not really much to do with it. Uh, it was a wrist shot. From distance, along the ice, I mean, it was Hunter Shepard, the Bears goaltender. He let in some soft goals in this game, which is amazing because the previous game, 
he looked like the best goalie you've ever seen, stopping everything that came his way. This game led in a couple of soft ones, and that first goal that Kulik scored, I mean, he's coming in by himself, one on three, and he enters the bear zone. And before he's even at the faceoff circle, he's he is at a distance. This is this is the type of play where, as a coach, I'd want to look at that play with him and and film and say, "Hey, I know you scored on this play, but you should not be taking the shot. This should be a dump into the corner and chase, try to establish zone time. This should be you skate to the wall, try to buy time so your teammates can jump up with you. This should be, hey, chip it to the middle of the slot. See if you can get there first before the defenseman or the goaltender. Don't settle for that shot. That is maybe a learning experience for Cooley, despite the fact that he scored because the guy's trying to make the NHL. That goal is never going in in the NHL. Never, ever, ever going in in the NHL. And it really shouldn't even go in in the AHL. But, man, Hunter Shepard really let in a a soft one there. So not to take all credit away from Kulik on that play, because, again, I thought he had a good game, but that goal was not an example of him having a good game. But he did get the goal scoring going. Then, um, you know, the the Amherst get a goal from Michael Mersh. Uh, Michael Rusek actually is the goal that made it 2 to nothing. Then the Bears started to pour it on a little bit in the third for a stretch, and they got the 2-1 goal. And when they got the 2-1 goal after a a nice stretch of play, didn't you think it was about to be Game 4 again? Game 4 where the Amherst collapsed for, for, it was really for two periods, but in the last 10 minutes, letting three goals in to lose the game, I thought this was about to happen again. Uh, But they buckled down after that. Michael Mersh is able to score a goal from a bad angle. is another goal that I thought Shepard should have stopped. Um, and the Amherst were able to get the empty netter then with Rusak and able to win the game 4-1. to one. Good play overall, pretty evenly matched game. Malcolm Subban had to make some incredible saves. He has been unbelievable for the Amherst uh, throughout these playoffs, and he definitely, definitely, definitely outplayed uh, the Bears goalie, Hunter Shepard, in this game by a lot. Another player that ends up with two goals on the night, one of them was an empty netter, Lucas Rusak. He is now up to 12 points in 13 games played in these Calder Cup playoffs. Um, Five goals, seven assists in 13 games. Rusek, who scored on his opening shift, remember, for the Buffalo Sabres, his first shift of his NHL career earlier this season, has been unbelievable in these playoffs. And he's, you know, providing the Amherst all the two-way play that you could ask for. He's been great. Now, I'm... Thinking about Rusek more and more as these games go on. I'm watching him very intently trying to figure out, okay, can this guy be a Zemgis Girgensen's replacement? Can he be a guy that is a regular on the Sabres next season? Now, he's scoring a bunch of goals uh, this year. He was just under a point a game on the season. I don't think that would be his role with the Sabres, of course. I think they would be more for the penalty killing and the, the defensive play and the physicality. Um, but it is worth pointing out that he's found the scoring touch uh, for the Amherst this season. Um, in those two games, and it had me thinking, you know, he scored two goals last night, and it, it got me thinking, let me go back and look at those two games that he played for the Sabres. He played two games for the Sabres. How close could he be? Could he be a good idea for this? Well, how did he play in those two games? Because... We know he scored in his first shift. He had another assist. He had a goal. So a goal and assist in two games played. 22 minutes of five-on-five ice time this year. Lucas Rusek. Six-round pick, by the way, of the Sabres, 2019. All right. 
let me look at those games again. What did he do? And if you look a little bit deeper, you know, if you watch the the play, his play itself, he's not standing out in a big way, but he's not making mistakes. He was making good play and making good plays uh, in his own end. Um, I thought that cycle he had in the offensive zone that you've seen from Gergensen's and and Oposo over the years, where they're not really generating a ton of chances, but they're maintaining puck possession. I saw a lot of that from Rusek, working the boards, playing physically, and he was not over outmatched physically in his two games in the NHL. He's a good sized player, um, and he's not really that young. I mean, he's 24 years old. You know, he's not some kid, a teenager out there. Like he's fully formed. So he had that going for him too. And the numbers, the, the numbers were incredible in his two games for the Sabers. In those 22 minutes at five on five for the Sabers, Lucas Rusek. 65.2% expected goals for percentage through the roof. Unbelievable uh, shot attempts for the Sabres. When Rusek was on the ice, 19 for Buffalo, 15 for the opponent scoring chances. When Rusek was on the ice, 11 for Buffalo, eight for the opponent and high danger scoring chances. Five for Ru- when Rusek was on the ice, three for the opponent when, uh, when he was out there. So he was really great. Just, Flat out, he was great in those two games with the Buffalo Sabres. So uh, training camp will help determine more of this. The rest of the playoffs will help determine this. It could only be one more game. But Amherst next in action, Friday night, Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, 7.05 puck drop. Um, MSG carrying that game once again if you're looking for it. And uh, hopefully we'll have a game seven uh, in Hershey. Now, one other Amherst thing to get to before we take a timeout and get to the Stanley Cup final. Jason Carmanos. Amherst GM and Sabres assistant GM appears to be safe. It appears as though he's going to remain in the Sabres organization. Here's what I mean. We now know all of these GMs openings have been filled. Kind of. The Calgary Flames hired Craig Conroy. That was, you know, earlier in the week or last week. So we knew that. And I don't think Carmanos was ever in the running for that job. But the two jobs Carmanos was in the running for. And if you've heard me on Carmanos, I think he is vital to this organization. He is an up-and-coming executive. I'm not sure how much longer he'll last. Maybe it's this is going to be his last season as AGM for the Sabres. He's an up-and-coming guy. Um, helped build the Sabres analytics department, right? He brought in the guy since Sam Ventura that has built the Sabres analytics department. So he's analytically inclined. I love that. I love how data-driven he is. I think he's definitely been a big help to Kevin Adams because of his – Carmanos is hockey executive background, which is much lengthier than Adams is. Adams is just Sabres GM and Carmanos. He goes back 10 plus years. Um, so Toronto hires Brad Treleving, pretty uninspiring hire, former flames GM didn't do a whole lot of great there a decade long in Calgary. They won two playoff series. Okay. Toronto, you think that's your idea? Good luck. Uh, I thought that's a super uninspiring hire, but good. Now, Carmanos, not a thought for Toronto. Well, what about Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is the one where it's the door is kind of closed, but maybe not entirely. In Pittsburgh, they have hired Kyle Dubas, former lease GM. But what we did not know until this morning, Thursday morning, is that Kyle Dubas is not going to be the Penguins general manager. Kyle Dubas's role with the Penguins is president of hockey operations, which means there's going to be a GM to come in underneath of Dubas. Now, what Dubas said in his introductory press conference is that he's going to serve as GM 
until July. And after the draft, after free agency, he's going to look into, quote, progressive candidates is the way Dubas put it. Carmanos could fit the billing of a progressive candidate. So maybe he is still in danger of being hired away from the Sabres, but not until July after free agency, after the NHL draft. One thing that might point you to, all right, maybe it won't be him though, is I looked, Kyle Dubas has no working experience with Jason Carmanos. That doesn't mean that the Penguins couldn't be in his ear about how good this guy is and, oh, you know, he's the guy you want. And it could be Dubas, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily hire a guy he's worked with. He could know Carmanos. He could know his background. You know, he wants a progressive candidate. Dubas is someone that's going to want uh, a good analytics department. He built that in Toronto. He is going to want someone that is analytically inclined, and Carmanos fits all of those billings. So worth watching Pittsburgh still. Uh, if they could hire him away. But I'm going to guess that they're going to go in a different direction. Um, but we'll see when uh, July comes, whenever they want to make that decision. Uh, so for now, though, Jason Carmanos remains with the Amherst and with the Sabres. Time out here when we come back. Preview of the Stanley Cup final. I got some thoughts on this series. I think it's going to be an electric series. Um, put your Sabre hatred at or your former Sabre hatred at the door because there's some good hockey on the way between Vegas and Florida. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. And we are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to 2000 or excuse me yeah $2500 it's $2500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win love all the promotions every day that FanDuel has whether that's odds boosts um or you know parlay insurance and other things like that um I have my Stanley Cup future on the Florida Panthers I've been looking at that cash out option you love having the cash out option anytime you want to get out of a bet uh you've got that option for you um and it's provided by FanDuel there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and you'll get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. It's FanDuel sport, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Saturday night is game one between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers, two teams, one of which will win their first ever Stanley Cup. The Golden Knights, only you know six years into their existence here, and the Panthers, uh, about 30 years into their existence here. In fact, it might be their 30th anniversary, something like that. I think, th- speaking of FanDuel, I think the Panthers should actually be favored in this series. They're not, but it's very close, plus 110. If you wanted to bet the Panthers in this series, I think there is some amazing hockey on the way. Both of these teams are able and willing to play shootout style hockey up and down the ice. There is a lot of talent on display between these two teams. The The Golden Knights rolling out the lines of Eichel and Marsha show and Barbashev and then the way William Carlson is playing right now uh, with Riley Smith and Chandler Stevenson and, and Mark Stone, of course, who I should have mentioned like right near the top. And Florida, the way Florida's going right now, Matthew Kachuk 
is playing like the second best player in the world behind Connor McDavid and Sam Reinhardt's playing great. And Sam Bennett is out of, is playing lights out. Um, Sasha Barkov has got things going in the playoffs. There is so much talent and skill on display between these two teams. And another reason why you might think there could, you could be in store for some fireworks. There is a potential for goaltender to be a bit of a mess. Now that has not been the case so far in these playoffs. Sergei Bobrovsky's been unbelievable, and Aiden Hill has actually been really good as well. Aiden Hill, in nine games started uh, in these playoffs, has a uh, a 937 save percentage. He's been unbelievable. But what we have here, in essence, is a fourth-string goalie in Aiden Hill and a goalie in Bobrovsky who historically has been very unreliable when it comes to the playoffs. So you might get one falling apart in the, in the, in the finals, or you might get two or you might get zero, but there's a chance, but it's more about the talent up front between these two teams that I think is going to have some exciting hockey. Um, I will say about Vegas. I have that Panthers future bet. I am very tempted to pick the golden Knights to win this series because they really run three lines deep a lot better than the Panthers do in my opinion um the Golden Knights the right now that Eichel Marsha show combination is unstoppable Eichel one thing I, maybe you have just been avoiding him uh, I've done a lot of that you know in these playoffs I still watched enough though to know and know the numbers too that if you haven't been watching him you might be surprised to learn He's maybe made a bigger impact as a shutdown centerman than he actually even has as an offensive force. I mean, he's been great offensively. Eichel's got 18 points in 17 games. He leads the Golden Knights with just over a point a game. But he's not that far away in the field. Like, there are six Golden Knights that have 14 or more points in these playoffs. So Eichel's kind of led the pack, but they're all right there. Defensively, he's been unreal. Eichel's been like a selkie frontrunner guy in these playoffs. And I think that's a big reason why he's their favorite to win the con smite. It's not just what he's doing offensively. He is smothering the opponent, the opposing center that he is going out there against. Um, and Mar- Jonathan Marsh show has been playing great as well on that line. Ivan Barbashev, you know, kind of tagging along, but always been a good defensive forward as well. Then they've got the Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone line, and Brett Howden, again, kind of along for the ride. And then Mike Amadio uh, with William Carlson and Riley Smith. Carlson and Smith. What, what the Golden Knights have figured out here is we've got three elite tandems. Eichel and Marsha Show, Stevenson and Stone, Carlson and Smith. Let's not have one, like two. They could have two super lines if they wanted to. But they decided instead, let's go with duos. Three great duos, and we'll just fill in, you know, the other line made along the way. And that that strategy by Bruce Cassidy in Vegas has worked throughout the playoffs, and it has me wanting to believe that they will they'll get through this because they can roll three lines. Whereas Florida, you know, that third line is good, um, but they're not driving possession in quite the same way. Sam Reinhardt's on their third line, but he's doing a lot of his damage on the power play. Uh, Anton Lundell, E2 Lutzerina. And I think that line matched up with the William Carlson, Riley Smith line gets outplayed. But otherwise, I think it's a pretty evenly matched uh, matchup between these two teams again. And the way Matthew Kachuk is playing right now, um, I mean, he's the best player in the whole series. They have the best player. 
in the series. And that matters. That matters. So I'm on the fence. I might lean. I'm, I think I'm going to pick Florida. You know, I, I mentioned I'm tempted by Vegas. I'm going to pick Florida because even though I lean Vegas with the rest of the lineup, I do trust Bobrovsky to carry the Panthers more than I would trust Hill. You know, if it comes to it where they need a goalie to steal them a game, I mean, I know Aiden Hill's been good. I'm trusting Sergei Bobrovsky way more. You know, he's done it in the playoffs at least once before with Columbus. He's been a Vesna winner. I, I trust Bobrovsky and I trust um, the Panthers to get this done. Bobrovsky over Aiden Hill, a big reason why I would pick them very slightly uh, to win this series. But I think we're going to see some awesome, awesome hockey between two non-traditional hockey markets. Um, but, you know, the NHL might think that's good, trying to grow grow markets even more. Uh, we'll take a timeout here. When we come back, more on the finals, but more so on Eichel. How are we going to feel if Jack Eichel wins the cup? I'll even put a poll up at Lockdown Sabres. Like, are we going to feel indifferent? Are we going to be good for him? I don't know how many people are going to say that. And how many people are just going to want to throw up? That's coming up here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Welcome back, Lockdown Sabres. Joe DiBiase, thanks for tuning in to today's show. For you everydayers, next time on the show, uh, we'll pick back up with our exit interviews, and we're almost done, but we're going to the third pair defensemen, uh, Riley Stillman and Ilya Labushkin. Next up, uh, we'll break down their futures, whether or not they should even be regulars on this team going forward. Uh, they're both under contract, so that's coming up next on the show. But... We've got the Stanley Cup final. We've got Eichel versus Reinhardt. It happened. Panthers versus Golden Knights. I wonder how people will feel if Eichel wins the Cup. And even furthermore, if he wins the Conn Smythe. There will be a lot of... For me, I'll just tell you how I think I'll feel about it. It's going to be a tough one. I've watched these playoffs and kind of put him off to the side. You know, I'm not hate watching him. Like, I'm not mad that he's doing good. You know, the Sabres are good now, so I can kind of get past it. But if he lifts the Stanley Cup, that's going to be a struggle. Not even again because I'm like hate watching him right now, but it's going to dig up a lot of old emotions and feelings about the tank and how bad it went after that and why it went that bad and who's to blame for all of that. Like, I think we're going to regurgitate a lot of that if he wins the cup. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure people really want to do that, but it's just going to happen naturally, you know, if he wins it, especially that O'Reilly already has one too. It would be, hey man, like these two players who were your one and two, they were your leaders. They were your best players. They left and won cups. How did that happen? How did it go so wrong? And we're gonna want to we're gonna want to dig a lot of that back up. I think just naturally, if Eichel wins it, to me, what it will mean and why it will be tough to swallow, it it will be proof that the tank was worth it. You know, the whole thesis of the tank was the Sabers didn't have a centerman good enough to win the Stanley Cup, and here would be Eichel proving that he's a number one center good enough to win the cup with. That would be all the evidence you needed that it was worth it. That would be all the proof that you need. So, and it would it would dig a lot of that back up. But, man, I would get right to, hey, this is proof in the pudding. It was the coaching. It was the management. It was more the decisions that were made around the players, the, the core players, than the core players themselves. I think there was a formula for that group 
to win. But you needed help. You know, Eichel's on a team right now where he's got all the infrastructure around him. He's got a great head coach in Bruce Cassidy. That was proven from his days in Boston. Um, He's got a stable management team above that. He's got a, a bunch of great forwards all around that lineup. He's got even more important. This is something the Sabres never had when Jack Eichel was on this team. He's got a stable, reliable, and talented blue line. That never happened in Buffalo for him. You know, Petrangelo and Shea Theodore and Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig and Braden McNabb and Alec Martinez. Like, that is a great six. That's a great six of defensemen. He's got all the help he needs. And look, they're in the finals. The Sabres never had a group defensively like that. Um, One number, one stat to point to that is kind of we're building all this evidence that, hey, it wasn't as much that group of players for me, at least it wasn't that I guess you could make the argument that it was just them together, but I wouldn't want to say that I would want to say that had their best defenseman been Darlene, if Darlene had been, you know, arrived three years earlier, wouldn't that group have worked? If Ristolainen wasn't just a sinkhole playing 26 minutes a night, if Don Granado had showed up three years earlier, don't we think it would have worked? I do. I give Granado that much credit, by the way, uh, that I think if he showed up three years earlier, he would have figured it out. He would have. And the number to kind of to point to all of this is if you look at that core group of Sabres that have left, and that is Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Ryan O'Reilly, Robin Leonard, Evander Kane, Zach Bogosian. That group of six players who were all you know, Bogosian, maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of forcing him in a little bit to, 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 to boost the number. Um, maybe it's a little unfair, but Bogosian was playing 23 minutes a night on this team, like top pair, top four defensemen, all situations. Between those guys, those were the core Sabres at one point in time. Since they've left, that group of six have won 28 playoff series. 28 playoff series for different teams. I mean, I don't know. I think the, all, all this is going to come back up if if Eichel wins. So I'm not necessarily hate watching him. I'll be rooting for the Panthers. I have that future bet. That helps. And also, I think, you know, Reinhardt's not playing as important a role as Eichel is. Reinhardt winning the cup, you know, he's more well-liked than Eichel is. And he's playing a uh, – he's again, he's on the third line for them. I know he's on the number one power play unit, but he's on the third line for them. And I think, you know, it won't feel quite as bad – as if Eichel wins and it's, oh, really? Really? And, you know, there will be people out there that will want to take their shots at the Sabres and Buffalo. And that's another reason why, you know, that's not even Eichel's fault on that. But there'll be, whether it's media or it's fans or bloggers, whoever, players, there will be shots taken at Buffalo, I think, if Eichel wins. And you would avoid that if, if, of course, uh, if he doesn't. So let me know how you'd feel. If Eichel wins the cup, you'd feel, maybe you wouldn't feel anything. You know, that could be your answer. Uh, at Lockdown Sabres on Twitter, if you want to reach out on that. We'll read some of those on the next show. But I mentioned we'll talk Riley Stillman and Ilya Labushkin on the next show. We'll break them down. We'll wrap up our exit interviews for the skaters. We'll do a couple goaltenders, of course, after that. I have a big goalie episode. Um and then we'll uh, start getting into free agency and the NHL draft, which are coming up uh, both within a month now. 
it's June 1st, so we're one month away from NHL free agency. So come back for all of that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to today's show, and we will talk to you next time here on the Locked on Sabres podcast.